Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast, where we discuss masculinity more intentionally and purposefully. Uh, we're now on episode seven, and my friend Olaf. What up, what up? And I go deeper into our conversation about uh, insecurities, body image, um, you know, being a skinny white male versus being a big white male and how that has affected our, our fitness levels. Um, you know, we talk about Olaf's experienceness or experience uh, with homelessness, um, his, his, you know, relationship with his mother and father. Um, that is a very emotional episode. I got very emotional recording it. Um, but it is the type of conversation I want to have on this podcast. Um, and he was very sure of himself in sharing a lot of these ideas. Um, and he definitely wants it to be, um, an opportunity for people to take lessons away and be understood and definitely have people share their stories, uh, that he thinks are worthy to be shared. Hey everyone. Uh, Olaf reached out to me afterwards, uh, with, sending over a little poem that he wrote about his relationship with his parents and after taking a moment to reflect on it from what he said on the podcast uh really putting a light on himself and reflecting on his actions growing up um and it's a beautiful little piece that will definitely have a lot of context after you listen to the full episode but it's just going to be at the end Uh, i definitely recommend that you stick around till then because it is a a beautiful moment once once you listen to the whole context of, of the podcast you and i have known each other for how long man it's it's okay it's been a decent while uh the olive branch days that i know for sure yeah but what year was i think we got into the olive branch when i was 17 16 something like that 17 uh 24 okay so i'm 23 Oh, you're a year younger. Yeah. How old do you think it was? I have the upper hand. I have leverage. Well, uh, You also have a nicer beard than I do. Oh, thank you. Thank- well, yours hasn't grown in yet. That's why. Well, I just shaved today, too. Well, you're defeating any sort of beard growth. So I know, but you have a nice compare? mustache. Like, I literally shaved today so that I could be like, I do one over two. More. And I realize it doesn't I think I saw out. your story about that, too. That, was yeah. that actually two months of stash growth? This is two months of... I haven't, Jeez, I haven't bro, shaved I thought this. my stash took long to grow, but no. damn, man. The last time I shaved, I didn't shave my mustache. I, I never shaved to the full like skin, just because mm-hmm. I look like a, I have a baby face if I do Right, that. right. I, I have the same thing going mm-hmm. on. So, um, Speaking of masculinity... <laughs> I hate my baby face! Right. Um... I don't, but I do hate having a baby face. So I guess it does kind of play How into How come? Them. If it makes you more youthful and that's something people want. I feel like I don't want to look youthful, I guess, because I feel like I look too You're young. You're going to regret that in 20 years, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I think it's more that I, I feel like the beard hides like the chubbiness in my face, like the weight. Right, right. The extra weight. Okay. So if we're going to be like honest, I think that's probably why. Okay, okay, I gotcha, gotcha. I like to grow my beard. Well, then you're taking care of that with meal prep, and I'm sure you're going to the gym sooner or later, right? I've started. You started? Awesome, awesome. This past quiet week. Dap, quiet dap, yeah, quiet dap. Yeah, quiet dap. Um, I finally hit my three months at work. And so with that, I can get a corporate membership at Ooh, Good Life. Very, so I did oh, that. Good Life. Nasty. I'm, it's in the same building as where I work. Okay. So there's convenience. Convenience. And I know if it's not convenient, I won't go. Okay. So typically what happens is after work, I'll go right downstairs and then I'll just work out. Mm-hmm. And on Thursday, I was super proud of myself because I went, even though I was in pain from going Tuesday, because I'm like, okay. if I don't go while I'm in pain, 
I'm not going to, like, I'll just stay away. Right, right. There's that, like, three-day rest yeah. hump that people just give up. After. Yeah. yeah and on the Friday, I knew I was going out right after work, mm-hmm. and it's the weekend, and I knew I was going to be quite busy, so the th- I try to go Monday through Friday, and I try to cut out time, like, right after work now to go. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was it's interesting. You're not I, comfortable with uh, trying to do lunch workouts? I know some people enjoy that. Um, I feel like I just feel too rushed. Because uh, okay. I like to shower after, like, obviously. And then it's right, like, right. Uh, you'd have to go down, change, that's a whole five minutes, and then you have to shower, which is another ten minutes. And you got, like, 45 minutes, not even. Yeah, and then you have minutes. to lunch to eat. Somehow. Yeah, and I enjoy, like, hanging out with my coworkers when I eat, too. Oh, doing okay, a crossword, okay. so there are right, things right. I do on lunch, yeah. So there's social stuff, true? true. Yeah. Okay, but, um, yeah, I honestly felt like that was one of the areas of my life where I had to grow into recently. You know, I have a job. I have some outside passions like podcasting. I've been going on dates. I'm like the one Congrats. area. I, I yeah, like that. The I one like area that. I don't have like a lot of confidence. I guess is like my body. Like that's the mm-hmm. last thing I felt like I had to work on. I meal prep. I cook. I I do a lot of things. But the one thing I've never focused on is my fitness. And it's right. never it's never gonna be like a top priority. I don't think. Like I can't is, wait for you to fall in love like with it. Is it for though. You, though. Yeah. Once once you start uh once you start seeing results, like it's it gets very addicting. Yeah. So, so there's that. That's a good shift into you because that's. This guy, for anyone, because obviously you don't see him, this guy's ripped. Up, hey, hey come on. Not that ripped. Not that ripped. What's your body fat percentage? Body fat percentage right now like in this four? moment? No, no, no. That's, uh, <laughs> funny enough, I was at a competition yesterday supporting see, a friend yeah, of mine. Yeah. His was 4%. Right now, I'm in what you would consider an off-season if I was to compete, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting around like 11 12% at the moment, which isn't that much of a wow factor, but right now I'm trying to put on as much uh, musculature as I can going into a show, right? Because mm. uh, going into a show, you're trying to show up completely dehydrated with no body fat whatsoever, right? So uh, you can see as much striation and definition within the muscle, right? Yeah. So obviously I want to go into the cut of the competition with as much size on me as possible, right? Yeah. And if I started off or if I was bulking, uh, it's impossible to put on muscle mass if you're sub percent body fat i don't know anything unless you, unless you was, take but... drugs <laughs> okay yeah. yeah yeah uh was this the what competition was this it was like this the bodybuilding uh, king kong classic king was kong. yeah my Who's friend christos vagenis first... okay. was competing in it yeah because there's another guy that I, we... he plays second he plays second yeah Damn. congrats to christos if you're listening <laughs> who was first uh first i can't remember i don't know the guy's name uh because i i pay attention more to like the the big leagues you know what i mean this was more like a not not to talk crap on any of the competitors all of them looked amazing and whatnot but um this is more local yeah you know what i mean so uh it was helped by i believe chris kong uh king kong classic right his name's in there yeah uh and it's it's a way for like a pro bodybuilder to give back to the community and Mm -hmm. let other uh, amateurs get it their foot in the door right Mm -hmm. so yeah because there's another guy from our tob days that I don't know if you knew him, but Chev. Chev, I don't think I. Uh, I don't. Know, I follow him on Instagram too, and he's really ripped. And I know true, he was there yesterday. True. He probably Jamie. You got pictures? Pull them up. <laughs> People have done that reference already. Now <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Oh, Joe Rogan. Oh, Jamie, pull it up. No. Come on, man. Really? I, I, mean, I can't podcasting, my guy. Podcasting. I love. I I follow Joe and everything like that, but I can't listen to his. Po- they're so long. And, but they are fascinating. I listen Very. to like the little clips that he posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, is why I try to post little clips, clips too, because I'm like, I'm trying to, you know. Let's but if I see cool if I in. see enough uh, solid clips from like one particular podcast, then I'd be like, okay, I have to see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But anyways, I'm, Jamie's his, like, assistant that helps him pull up, like, uh, stuff on yeah. the internet, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is what you're talking about, you know? Now yeah. we can dive into it with more detail, thanks to Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a side producer, like, yeah. Kind of, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Handles the background scene type of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, like, it's cool. I know you're really into fitness, and you, we've talked about it before, and you, you're just, I've seen photos, and you're just back as... Insane. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, whenever I see, whenever I see it though, I'm like, I don't know, I don't get it from mm-hmm. a personal perspective. So I guess, right. um, what don't you get? I I guess I just don't need the I don't see the need to be that ripped, in a lot of ways. Right. But right. I just that's just like, maybe I'm just jealous. You know. No, no. <laughs> that actually I applaud because. Uh, what's it called? Day to day, I have people coming in to the gym, uh, and we're talking in my office and whatnot. And I have these teenage boys that are like, "Yeah, I want to be one percent body fat and three hundred pounds of muscle." Yada. Obviously, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. But it's like every every uh, teenage boy, and even myself, being 24, have we have these really warped perceptions of what our body should be like, right? Mm-hmm. And I would argue, and in one of my uh, Instagram posts, I talked about body fat being actually necessary right uh it's good for many things like uh really quickly in an evolutionary sense we use it for an extra nutrients for days where we can't you know hunt an animal right then and there we don't have we didn't have mcdonald's down the street mm-hmm. thousands of years ago right so that's kind of how that comes into play and uh and other things are like you know hormone balance and whatnot you want to make sure that you have adequate fat like uh our brain uses, uh, runs on fat, our nervous system, uh, the myelin sheath is made up of fat and whatnot. So if you're not enjoying the little bit of gristle you got, then like you're losing out on a lot of health benefits. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's something I've, I've always thought about with my friends too, is, you know, I don't, I've sometimes held this notion that I don't want to get fit because I don't want to be, I don't want to use that to become a dick. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. I feel like there's a lot, a lot of people, of that. There's, there's a lot a of lot shallow of people with yeah. nice bodies. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not shallow, but I have a not nice body. And I wouldn't say not nice body, man, because I'm on, I've seen worse. I've seen worse. I mean, doesn't... yeah, you can see worse, but it's still in the ranking of 50% percentile of being bad, you know? <laughs> uh, that's only a momentary thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I don't want to become, I, like, it's, I know it's ridiculous to say this, but maybe that's what will make me say it, is like... Um, I almost don't want to become fit because I don't want to repla- replace my personality with being shallow but good looking. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, I don't want to ever lose the part of me that is interesting and just walk around being like, oh, I, girls are into bodies, therefore I'll fill up my body rather than mm-hmm, my, mm-hmm. my wit or my exactly, knowledge exactly, or my intellect, right, right. I guess, kind of thing. Um, which is really well developed so I mean now you can look at other facets of developing yourself right yeah and that's well yeah we were talking about that it's like that's like my next stage of growth yeah Um, but kind of what kind of got you into fitness in the first place was it a uh, because I I, you know with Terry Crews it was like an insecurity thing and right right feeling protection Mm -hmm. I know everyone comes at it from different angles but what was kind of your reasoning for getting into fitness and and the whole personal training aspect of your life so, uh, my, I guess, fitness journey is pretty much bouncing around quite a bit. There's no linear way I went about it. It, I, it all started, uh, I guess, obviously, I'll quickly touch upon the insecurities, I suppose. Um, there's me being a skinny 110 pound, uh, five foot seven white boy 
at high school, right? And all mm. of my uh, gym class, uh, I guess, peers, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, they would always pick me last, you know, the typical, like, weak, uh, mm. no one gives a crap about dude, right? And so that's something I set out to change. And I actually, instead of going to the gym, instead of going to the gym, uh, I took on breakdancing because that's what my friends like Rhoda, Aaron, mm-hmm. and all of them were uh, partaking in, right? And uh, I, I wouldn't say I was talented or had a knack for it, but there were uh, the freezing portion of breakdancing and freezes would be like holding a... I guess a glorified yoga pose, <laughs> for mm. lack of a better explanation, without a video or anything to show. Um, and uh, that takes a lot of strength, like balancing on uh, one or two of your hands, right? Uh, so that's where I dipped my toes into fitness, because eventually, once I got obsessed about breakdancing, then I'm like, okay, now I need to get more fit. Like, I need to uh, build more muscle, I gotta get stronger, I gotta pull off more advanced freezes and power moves and whatnot. And so then I started uh, doing like bodyweight workouts. Uh, and then kind of like in fitness class, I took it very seriously. And then once I took fitness class seriously, uh, after every, every single fitness class workout, I'd kind of like, I had no idea what the pump was yet. And Mm. I'd go into the uh, bathroom and I'm like, holy crap, I'm so jacked from one workout. That's insane. Like I could see ab development when I had a flat stomach, Mm -hmm. even being a skinny kid, you'd think I'd have abs, but no, it was just from, uh, the fitness workout. And then that's kind of like how I got into bodybuilding in a kind of a shallow sense, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to look better. I want, uh, you know, guys to respect me and girls to find me more attractive, uh, which is what, how most people get into it. Uh, and then once I got into it, uh, there's kind of like a, like a, how would I say this? A period of where I was not really consistent, but passionate about it, right? So Mm -hmm. I kept learning and learning about it from the ages of like 17 to 20, but I, uh, had a lot of bad habits that were winning. Uh, and it took me a while to prioritize this as, uh, my main passion and I guess now career. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess suppose let's fast forward to when I dropped out of college because I got a job at Good Life. Ironically, I bashed Good Life, right? (laughs) But it's my first, uh, personal training gig. Um, now, uh, from what I remember, I think I, yeah, so my, I was, at the time, I was working at Bombay, a furniture store. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Danny With worked Danny, there, too. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then we had a co-worker named Gaurav. Uh, I can't remember what high school he went to. I think he went to the same high school as I did, Boss. Um, and he uh, was... he. Him and I were very passionate about fitness. Uh, a couple times we worked out together, you know. Uh, and he had a personal trainer at Good Life, right? And then uh, eventually he's like, yo, Good Life's hiring like more personal trainers. Why don't you give it a shot? And my confidence uh, at the time was like not completely non-existent. I was like, no way. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know enough, this and that. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. But I can't remember. I genuinely can't remember what pushed me to do it. But I went, uh, applied for it. And then the manager was actually impressed with the amount of knowledge I had with no uh, official, like, academic background, Mm -hmm. right? And so that was kind of how I got my foot in the door, and then I went through the whole interview process, and he was impressed with how I handled, uh, the client profiling and how I would program for the client, and so he's like, awesome, you're hired, and basically the process was, uh, I would work and prospect for clients on the floor and whatnot, 
train people here and there while I was getting my certification at the time. Because obviously you need to yeah. genuinely know what you're doing, have first aid and all that jazz. And then good life didn't really work out. If you want, we can expand on that later. But uh, I have my, then, I, we shouldn't. I have my membership with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back I brand do new. not have nice things you know, to I got, say about I got, the company. I got to be nice with my future sponsorships, maybe. Exactly. So. Oh, yeah, there you go. In that case, delete. <laughs> delete for PR reasons. Exactly. I, don't, I wouldn't mind if you do that. Uh, but, yeah, pretty much that's how I got into personal training, and that's how I am consistently passionate about bettering people's physical health. Mm-hmm. For yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting because I know you went like touching back on the beginning of that story. You actually got into fitness because you were like a weak, scrawny white guy. Yeah, exactly. And then I was in gym being picked last because I'm a big, chubby white guy. On two opposite ends. Two of the spectrum. opposite ends of the spectrum. Right, right. And we meet in the middle. Exactly, exactly. But almost everyone I've talked to about going to the gym has actually said like about how they begin to love going to the gym. Mm-hmm, it's really weird to me because. I don't see myself doing that, but maybe it will happen. Oh, um, it will. It definitely will. But I'm more of like a, um, like I don't care about strength, you know, like mm-hmm. weights and stuff. Like it's cool. Um, That's good news. You I, won't injure yourself. There's yeah. There's no ego lifting in your future. Yeah, I don't think so. Good, anyways. good. But um, like what I'm really interested in is going to like kickboxing lessons or boxing lessons, more like the um, activity-based Okay, I, I gotcha, gotcha. And rap, not really as much as the weightlifting base. Like right, more right. stamina, I guess, mm-hmm. or, you know, I can feel progress because I'm doing things rather than doing repetitive motion. Right, right. Um, and so, like, that's kind of how I see fitness, but at the same time, those things cost so much more. Exactly. But, <laughs> but this is the 21st century, and we do have something called YouTube, which arguably isn't the best platform at the moment with all the things that yeah. are happening on it, demonetization and whatnot. But you can learn so much from YouTube, like yeah. so much, man. So I wouldn't, I, uh, I wouldn't really disqualify yourself from learning those activities just because it costs too much. Yeah. Watch a couple tutorials on YouTube, man. Like yeah. you'd be surprised with what amazing coaches are online. Okay. It's really good stuff. Yeah. I recommend it. Yeah. Even doing what they workouts they do probably would be cool. Workouts, I would actually, uh, and uh, this is this is where my philosophy in fitness kind of like is a little bit different from your average person. I wouldn't go to somebody who is uh, a martial artist or uh, what's it called, a gymnast and whatnot, uh, somebody who is in a like a skilled sport for fitness, mm-hmm. right? They built their body from one, you know, the whole uh, nature versus nurture thing. Mm-hmm. There's the same thing in fitness, right? So it's like there's their genetic, uh, I guess, stone tablet they are given at birth, mm-hmm. right? And then there is the things that they end up doing uh, with their sports and whatnot that chisel out that specific genetic blueprint, right? Uh, and so, for example, if you're looking at like a top-tier athlete who has a uh, ripped six-pack, six, uh, amazing chest, whatever, right? They're looking good. They move clearly well, right? Um, a lot of people are like, wow, I want to look like that, so I'll train exactly how they train. Mm-hmm. But then, for example, they wouldn't... Uh, let me try and find... Uh... Okay, uh, for example, I know that in uh, martial arts, push-ups are very, very glorified, right? Uh, and people often go, drop, give me 20, no, 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 over and over to get the conditioning up in martial arts. 
Um, but if you overdevelop your chest and your shoulder, you actually ruin your posture even more. So for those people who uh, really valuable or really value the more health and functioning aspect mm -hmm. of training, they won't really get that from those activities. What I would pursue is somebody who's a personal trainer, much like myself, or even better, a physiotherapist, because they really, really, really know the human body mm -hmm. inside and out. And they would probably, not probably, more likely uh, give you a workout plan that is specifically tailored for you, what you want to do. And they'll also be able to tell what your body is currently like and what you need to do to feel better. Mm -hmm. Does a martial artist know that? Unless they have uh, education in kinesiology, exercise science, and human anatomy, which most don't. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's all I have to say for that, for example. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then in terms of, I guess, your whole bodybuilding and you want to compete... Um, kind of what's the really quickly want to say yeah. I love martial arts for anybody you know who's training and listening I'm not knocking on it are you, knock, it. Are you knocking Nick in his tricking or oh absolutely especially Nick especially uh, yeah. Nick, Nick oh, the guy can't, he can't squat yeah. for anything can't yeah. squat at all Nick you're yeah. shit it, absolutely I'm absolutely. sending this clip directly to him <laughs> good you better <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of your strength and you want to compete like where did that angle come from is that just from you know your passion for fitness is that a passion for strength is that a passion right, for right. like being strong okay so when it comes to strength i don't really prioritize strength all that much um because then i get like really obsessive about a specific movement mm -hmm. and then all of my other movements start to suffer and then like uh when it comes to bodybuilding that is my main priority uh proportion is very valuable right so i'm trying to go for like overall strength mm. uh hit all of my muscle groups and make sure i have a balanced physique um uh that as well as like uh i hit my goals like when i started working out i made the goals to be able to bench 225 uh squat 315 and deadlift 365 of which i've all surpassed right mm -hmm. so i uh, am confident in my abilities i don't feel like going for higher numbers it was never my goal to like deadlift the most in the mm -hmm. gym you know what i mean uh, i just wanted to be strong by my own standards now bodybuilding that one i'm really really obsessed about to the point where like my girlfriend catches me looking at naked dudes on my phone all the time <laughs> but really i'm on the bo our bodybuilding subreddit looking yeah. at bodybuilders you know uh and uh, what's it called? Uh, it's not really like a, a homoerotic obsession or anything. It's more like like the the, the human shape, uh, the mus uh, muscles, the you know the lines that a certain physique creates. It's it's very like there's a, something artistic about it. And I've always been a very creative and artistic individual. And just uh, artists typically decorate themselves in a way to kind of like express themselves right and so I kind of see it as well like uh, well I've kind of come from uh, not the most privileged background so I don't have the fanciest clothes or anything mm -hmm. uh, many times uh, I've actually been homeless and whatnot so uh, pretty much what I'm trying to gather from this is that uh, when it comes down to it I want to make sure that I am sufficient uh, my, myself and kind of like, if I don't have a shirt on my back, it doesn't matter. I still express myself the way I intend to, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, uh, funny enough, I, I can't remember. It was like uh, uh, when I was 13, I believe, uh, I was talking to some somebody uh, online and 
the they sent me this picture of Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Yeah. And this is like well before all the Shaggy memes came out about like his final form and all that. Mm-hmm. And he was just like some jacked uh, rendition of Shaggy, right? And I'm like, whoa, that's exactly how I want to look like. That's the feeling I want to embody. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where bodybuilding comes from, or my passion yeah. for it. Yeah. Damn. And then you kind of just touched on on being homeless too, which I didn't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> obviously, I don't really really talk about it because it's not it's it's not good for reputation. Like, yeah. Oh, what did you do to get homeless and all that sort of yeah. stuff, right? Uh, uh, would you want me to answer that question? Well, I, I know that I not if you don't want to. No, no. I, 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 once again, open book. Yeah. Any questions you want to ask, just go for it. Yeah. Um, I I don't really have much to to ask i guess because this is the first time i'm hearing of it but right um i I guess in kind of what did that teach you about who you are because now you're i'm we're recording this in your your bedroom so you're right yeah man it feels feels so good to have to pay my landlord rent and know that i have a place for a month because it's just like like when i was uh and again uh, if if my mother is listening to this by any chance uh, I, I apologize for the way I'm going to speak about it, but I didn't really feel safe at home. I didn't, I Oof. don't think I... Uh, should we go down this road? I, eh, why not? Okay. Why not? Okay. doesn't matter. doesn't okay. matter. I'm here to be truthful, tell a story for those okay. who are listening. If they benefit from it, that's all I want. Yeah. Right? So, uh, what's it called? I never really felt safe at home, uh, and not in like a violent sense where my safety's, uh, you know, jeopardized. Um, but it was more so like, I never knew when I was going to get kicked out again. Mm. Right. Uh, the first time, uh, to shed some light on why I would be getting kicked out. Uh, I think the first time that I got kicked out and this probably be funny to some people, I got kicked out for smoking a joint in my room when I was like 15 or 16 or something mm-hmm. back then. Right. And, uh, my parents have like, are very, very strict when it comes to alcohol, drugs and anything of the sort. And so obviously my mom was like, eh, you gotta go. And I'm like, but I'm in, I'm in high school and I have, uh, I have school like the next day or after the weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't care. You know what you did wrong. I told you very explicitly not to do this out the door. Thank you. And I'm just like, what bawling my eyes out like walking down the street going to my friend's house because where else would i go right uh and that's pretty much like the first time i got kicked out and all of the other times were similar patterns not necessarily uh around uh, substances or anything but more so about uh something of my character was not in line with what my mother thought uh, I should be behaving as mm-hmm. and because of that uh, she had her rules that I wasn't upholding under her roof which I understand um, and uh, she was like okay if you're not going to follow the rules you can't be under this roof and then that's how that ended up happening so multiple times uh, I ended up living with like ex-girlfriends or like uh, couch surfing a couple times slept on a park bench and whatnot not uh, wouldn't recommend it to anybody yeah <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, so I now have a bed, I pay my own rent, I buy my own groceries, and it feels great to live, I suppose, Yeah. have a home, right? Yeah. Yeah, stability. So I guess, does that make you have more gratitude now than... Oh, you wouldn't believe yeah. it, absolutely, absolutely. Like, uh, uh, the simplest way I can explain it is like when, uh, it's a cold day, and then, uh, my 
girlfriend would prefer to drive somewhere that's like a 10 minute walk away but obviously mm -hmm. i'm not even just because of my fitness background but i just love to enjoy the environment and like in some ways live in the moment right and it's harder to live in the moment when you're cramped up in a vehicle listening to some like top 40s music right mm -hmm. it's a lot more fluent of a time when you're walking somewhere right so she would uh argue oh let's take the car i really really don't want to walk and i'm just like but you're sacrificing the uh, potential of having a wonderful time with me, a conversation, smelling the fresh air, and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously it, it translates, uh, my experiences have translated to an enormous amount of gratitude, uh, of which I don't know how to compare to other people because I'm not them, right? I don't have their perception. I can't, say, I can't say that I'm more grateful than other people. In some ways I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. But that's life. And in terms of, I guess you know, your experiences living on the street or, you know, going house to house. Street the, what up? Yeah. yeah. What is that? <laughs> what is that? What did that teach you about, um, oh, I guess, survival in a lot of ways? Because in the future, I do want to have like past homeless people on the show and like, this mm -hmm. is like, there's a, I want to go out to be the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. I want to go down like a lot of avenues with a lot of guys about things that Absolutely. they've learned. So in terms of, well, first off to stick to the topic of this podcast, it is extremely emasculating mm -hmm. to not have a place to call your own. And if you're like, uh, oh, good luck getting a date when you don't have a home <laughs> first off. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I was fortunate for majority, uh, of later uh, the later portion of when I was kicked out of my home, uh, I had a ex-girlfriend who I was staying at their family's place and their family was so loving and I actually felt like I had a family for once in my life, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, it's, it wasn't all like uh, ups and downs or not, but going back to the whole survival thing, uh, let's see, it's pretty much like I'm trying to like mentally go back mm -hmm. and relive the moments. Uh, you're, have you ever played a car game where you're kind of like, uh, it's time, the race is timed and each time you pass a checkpoint, the time gets uh, yeah. increased, right? It's kind of yeah. like that in the sense of like, uh, you have checkpoints of like, when can I shower next? When can I get the next meal? And every time you hit this checkpoint, you're like, okay, so I'm not going to be hungry for the next two hours. And I have two mm. hours to do whatever I can do until like the next need comes up. Have you seen that movie? Just in, just in time. No, I haven't. It's like, it's with Justin Timberlake. Ironically okay. enough, I think, but it's like, they have a, like a stop, they have a clock on their arm and there's things that they can do. And like, and once that thing hits zero, they die. And so there's things I think that I've seen the trailer for yeah. it. Yeah. So there's things that they can do that give them more time and things that they do that take away time. So it's yeah, kind of what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I never saw it as grim as, as that, obviously. Yeah. I didn't really, uh, funny enough, it didn't really feel like my life was on the line still. I don't know whether uh, I was just lucky or not, but I, I made it. Here I am, right? Mm -hmm. um, other things in terms of survivability... I guess you kind of, you also learn which friends really have your back. Like, I was able to couch surf at quite a few friend, uh, friends' houses. And even this this one guy, um, his name is, uh, I don't think that he's going to mind, but his name's Ariel. And he let me stay at his house for uh, a week uh, when my mom 
and my little brother went to Poland and they were just like, yeah, we don't trust you in the house because we think you're going to host parties and stuff mm-hmm. of which I found very ironic because I have like crippling anxiety and I hate part house parties myself. So why would I host one? Mm-hmm. But, uh, so during that time, uh, I told Ariel what was happening and then he's like, what dude, that's insane. What the heck? And I barely knew the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I worked with him at Bombay too. Okay. Um, and then he was like, oh dude, don't worry. Just crash at my place for the week. And he was one of the most hospitable out of all of them, and I knew him the least, right? So Mm -hmm. there's experiences like that that really, like, wake you up about life, too. Uh, So there's there's that, and then... I guess guess that's pretty pretty much covers all of the stuff I would have learned from being homeless. Because in that point of my life, I will admit, I wasn't the most... Uh, grateful or conscious being. Mm-hmm. It was more like, damn, how did I get into this position? F everybody, you yeah. know, that Angsty, type of... Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, but I've always, speaking to how I know you, is that you've always been a very positive person. So Try it doesn't, to. Yeah, so it doesn't surprise to me as someone who sees that now. And if anything, it makes more sense of how positive a person that you are. Right, Or right. like how much you rely on your friends or your like spirituality mm-hmm. aspect of it but have, like i just out of curiosity have you um ever gone back to your parents and kind of like worked it out or yeah yeah, yeah. actually uh which <laughs> funny enough ended up in me getting kicked out again and being placed here yeah but uh that's that was long overdue of me needing to move out so um i ended up uh obviously once i broke up with my ex-girlfriend i didn't really have uh, a place to go to uh and so i was like hey mom homeless again mind if i come back i'll do better on not being a cunt of a human being you know (laughs) and we'll work out our differences uh of which didn't really go very well once i did move back in um and the best way i would explain it is like like uh you kind of uh and not, not to put a patriarchal spin on this in whatsoever uh, but it's kind of like I am a like a teenage lion growing up, and then my mane is starting to come out, and my mom still wants to be the lioness of the household, but my individuality was too much for her, and she didn't know how to deal with the fact that I am my, my own person and adult, mm-hmm. right? And so that we couldn't really work out well. And then... Uh, what's it called back to the whole house party thing i i used to host something called like smash night i don't know if you know super smash bros ultimate i love that game and so i'd invite a couple of my friends over uh i'd have some like snacks and drinks going and then we'd have a good time right the landlord didn't really like that and then he was like so either you kick olaf out or the whole family has to go Uh And I'm just like, what, man? Like, I'm just playing video games. He thought, like, I was, like, doing some underground stuff, right? And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then uh, pretty much uh, my mother, obviously, uh, taking care of my brother, who is in university, goes to University of Toronto. He's the priority, seeing, uh, you know what I mean, just how things are. And then I uh, moved out, and here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a colorful life I've I've lived, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm finding out a lot, which is the fun part about this absolutely, podcast. absolutely, um, awesome bonding experience. Yeah, and I know, like I, I don't know, I just have so much, I guess, in my heart for you right now, and being like, oh damn, like I didn't know any of that happened, and yeah. Um, well, the only reason I don't talk about it is because I really, really, 
don't want to go for people's pity. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of my life, and I don't want to sound like a very white saying, but Debbie Downer. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my, yeah, I know, right? A lot of my negative life. Negative Nancy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a negative Nancy. But, uh a lot of my life has been rather negative and or depressing by uh, any means and uh it, it's it's so frustrating having all of this negative stuff to talk about but i have this like feeling of you know the being a burden mm. or whatnot it's like i understand people need a shoulder to cry on but like what if all i have to do or put forth to a relationship is crying on your shoulder because I have so much crying to do. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's kind of like how I keep most of that stuff to myself. As well as a lot of people don't really uh, put their foot forward in trying to understand my situation as well. And they kind of like write it off as completely being my fault or like, mm. oh, that's just a whole ordeal I don't want to deal with. So they kind of distance themselves that way. All of which is hurtful, obviously. But I understand because if I'm in a similar predicament, and in some ways I have been... Uh, then it's very difficult to support a person like me. So mm. I don't really have hard feelings for those people. Okay, there's two things you said in there that I thought were really interesting. So the first one was you don't want to be a pity party. Yeah, definitely uh, not. Um, which I think is really interesting because it's the whole, it kind of plays into the whole, um, you know, don't share your feelings aspect of it. Uh, but I don't think you're coming at it from a place of weakness. You're coming at it from a place of like, I don't, want the attention because kind of what you said in the second part is people haven't understood your side of things and i always find it really interesting one that you think you can be understood mm -hmm. and two that people think they can understand you so like there's the one side where it's like oh no one's ever understood me before they just think it's my fault mm -hmm. and then there's the other pe the other side of people thinking that they can understand you like right, I don't, exactly, exactly i don't think you could be understood from your perspective and i don't think i can ever understand you because we all have our individual perspective yeah so i totally agree with and that. that's where Absolutely. the whole empathy idea comes from right mm -hmm. it's like well i can try to understand you but i never will unless even if i was in the same situation i wouldn't be able to understand it right like mm -hmm. Because the whole context behind potentially being removed from your home would be different. Um, and I think that's one aspect of life that guys really fail at. Is one, or people in general really, just when they when people suffer, I think either they, a lot of people want sympathy or they want pity. And they, they talk about it as a calling card and when they don't get it. They just get more upset. Yeah. And yeah. then... And they isolate themselves even yeah. more because they they quickly default to, oh, nobody understands me. Yeah. Instead of, like, maybe that uh, unit you thought was going to be a one is actually a zero, but the next person's going to be a one. You know, yeah. in a binary sense, yeah. right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Nerd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's even the idea of, like, oh, you're calling out so much because you want sympathy, and then you're mad that people don't understand you, but it's like you... You have to realize no one can understand you. Not well, the way you want to. Not be the understood. way you want to be. Yeah. yeah. Like it's almost impossible. And it, if this is actually something I was literally thinking about this morning as I was doing laundry. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, not um, showering. Laundry is your laundry thoughts. <laughs> laundry thoughts. I have thoughts all the time. Okay, okay. Yeah. Ditto. Um, but in terms of it was if 
I think it was in terms of teaching because I was reading a book about teaching and, mm-hmm. and it was going on about that. If you are not understood, that is your fault in a lot of ways because oh, it's yeah, like, absolutely, absolutely. It's, you're not telling, you're not t- teaching someone how to be, how to understand you. Yeah. So obviously you're, you're explaining it in a way that they can't understand. So the whole idea of being understood, I, I believe mostly lies on the person who's trying, trying to express to, themselves, trying to express themselves. Yeah. but also it's impossible for me to understand. Like that's in terms of like math and, and things that are, are factual or knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but in terms of being a person and being understood, it's really hard. And there's ways to express yourself that make it easier for someone to empathize with you. Obviously, um, you know, good people can ex- like people that have been hurt can explain well. Like my thing is in politics right now is people on on the left and right both can't understand or they both don't express their pain well enough to be understood. A lot of it I would attribute actually to ego, and not, not to- in the sense of everyone has a big ego. But it's more like how you go on about having an ego. Because everybody mm-hmm. everybody has an ego. You have an identity that you put forth to the world. And so you can interact on an, in an objective sense, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but what people don't do is they don't, they don't distance themselves from that ego. So if something happens to hurt the ego, uh, you get a certain emotion evoked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they respond on that emotion emotionally rather than rationally. <laughs> it's all good. Um, uh, and so, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Shit, my bad. It's all good. It's all, that was a loud crack. Really I know, got my ankles me. popped. It's all good. <laughs> uh, so, going back. Ego. ego. Okay. Uh, don't know where I quite you, left off. Uh, r- rises emotions in people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they, they uh, live in the emotion rather too long when emotions are supposed to be more like signs like like a signal hey this is happening you're feeling like this because a b c and whatnot right Mm. so let's uh this emotion should be motivation for you to do something about a b and c right Mm -hmm. and then people these days (laughs) don't really do anything and then they just feel the emotion and then it just beats them up and then uh they create this narrative where it's like them against the world yeah victim mentality exactly victim mentality yeah absolutely can't stand that and uh don't get me wrong i used to be quite the victim what it victim mentalist <laughs> i don't think <laughs> quite the victim i think just quite the victim. victimizer of myself yeah 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 so believe me when uh, i say that i know know that uh, mentality inside and out because i lived it myself and i am still distancing myself mm-hmm. from that sort of mentality right which is which really comes about on bad days <laughs> yeah 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 my, i have a saying that kind of ties into that it's um my mantra is uh, just because your feelings are valid doesn't make them right exactly yeah yeah and definitely like, true that has been something that has been on my heart for like i, I don't even know how long but it, it just popped into my head like six months ago i guess because it would always be about this oh the this is how it made me feel therefore it's right but it's not no it's not right just because i'm jealous or i'm upset i i am valid in being upset mm-hmm. because the thing that hurt me was it was a good it was a realistic response to be hurt by it but two it's not right of me to then unleash anger right or exactly. respond in the way that that is immediate in that emotion mm-hmm. at that moment uh precisely what happens 
is your character is being developed by the reaction you choose with said emotion, right? So that's where a lot of people kind of like drop the ball and just live in it instead of work with it and dance with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everyone, I feel like everyone gets that. And this is what I don't understand. Even at an event yesterday, we're talking about the current landscape of news and politics and there's just so much negativity out there. But I, I feel like if you talk to people on a one-on-one, it's very positive. It's very optimistic. It's very hopeful. What sells? As a collective is negativity. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like this entire idea that the future is doomed. And I just don't see that. In, it, like, almost on the case. Have you case, heard about 5G? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> almost on the case of like everyone doesn't like cancel culture mm-hmm. but cancel culture is super vocal and then i was would you be able to elaborate on cancel culture i guess like the best example would be um for the listeners out there definitely not me i guess a recent example would be michael jackson okay in the sense like he should be canceled now because there's came to light that he had you know weird relationships with young boys right, right. um and therefore he should get canceled and th- these were like rumors, I guess, when he was alive too. Right. Um, apparently, that they, they went through the whole system, and and they, they probably I don't know what happened, but it began. It got put to the side, and then now that he's been dead for like nine years, which is crazy to think about. Um, it's been nine years. It's been a long time. Oh my god! I don't even know how long it's been. So it's been a long he, time. He's died even before my animation came out. Cause my no animation is eight years. Was it like 2009 that he died? It might have been 10 years. Jesus Christ. Oh, rip Michael Jackson. There was no way it was before high school. I don't know, maybe it was. quite the tortured soul too, so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think most child stars are. But there's like a lot in terms of cancel culture or it's like Kevin Hart, you know, Mm -hmm. going back watching his uh, comedy show 10 years ago where he said something about his, he hopes his son isn't gay yeah like yeah that, i right? remember and they went and back in time they went back in time for that comment mm-hmm. dug it up out of nowhere then they're like cancel him from the from the oscars and i guess that's the most relevant example of cancel culture i can i can give okay gotcha so pretty much like like uh sjw's on steroids yeah uh, well yeah i mean in the me, negative light to cause... me yeah like when i don't like the term sjw's because i think there are people fighting out there for like valid yeah rights, exactly and, like, you, some people are like oh they're sjw's and it's only like white men i guess that say that shit um <laughs> but cough cough. cough cough like me and potentially olaf but um <laughs> no for you know it's just people that dig through people's old tweets and bring back things that are just taken way out of context from a holier-than-thou perspective. Yeah, From yeah. a, you shouldn't be doing this, this is... Again, it's the whole ego feeding yeah. that happens. Like, even just think about Trudeau, I guess, with the brown face from 10 years ago. Like, they, they tried, like, the... the whoever did, did released it tried to cancel him. questioned by kids? Did you see the clip where yeah. he was questioned by kids? I mean, that's kids? such a PR thing. Yeah, but that was brutal man yeah. like are you really gonna have kids ask you that type of question those kids did not know how to ask that they, didn't I know, know, they, they had no idea what that shit was they, probably. yeah i know right i'm oh, like this rough. is disgusting pr but, yeah yeah so i hate it from that angle um but like clearly whoever was released it tried to get trudeau canceled yeah and yeah. canada was i guess enough to know that that 
we don't we still don't want Sheer as to, yeah exactly to be prime minister definitely not um whoo thank god but yeah but i think my issue with cancel culture is how holier than now it seems and you know everyone has skeletons in their closet and it it what i hate the most is when people apologize i guess not if they know when it's they wrong give into it. when they give into the apology because there's a way to say I was wrong without giving power to the exactly, people that called exactly. you out. So you stand I, firmly yeah. by certain actions and explain them in a way that makes yeah. sense in your perspective at the time. So I thought Kevin Hart's was amazing when you when he did his talk on Ellen and he's just like, "Listen, I already apologized for it, but like, there's a sour." T- he's like, "I've changed as an individual." Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only way to come at anything canceled. Unless it was literally today that Trudeau wore brownface. Yeah. Or in the last four years. Okay, let's pretend that's real then. How would you how would you go about it if it was him doing brownface today? What would you tell Trudeau to do? Is if, there anything you can do? If he was doing brownface today? Yeah, if you're if you're versus cancel culture today yeah. and you do something, what's the scope of how your reputation is going to be like? Is it salvageable? <laughs> if he did it today, that's not salvageable. Not at all. Like you if he did so? it any time during his prime minister, by like any time during his uh, leadership, if Age he was doing it now, bonus. I would hundred percent be like, yo, you got to step down. Yeah, because now it now it is yeah. known to be racist. Okay, yeah. To be fair, now let's pretend uh, it's the person's not a prime minister. Yeah, and now let's uh, make it like a let's say Chris Brown did his thing to Rihanna today. Yeah, how do you think that would go? Because he's still loved by hundreds of thousands. I mean, I think with that, it's, it's mm. granted it's not based on race, but it's still kind of cancel culture based, no? Yeah, like, but I think with cancel culture, the only thing you can do is really, like, it's it's hard. You can't get everyone to stop listening to Chris Brown's music. Mm-hmm. If you want to stop listening to Chris Brown's music, you got to stop listening to Chris Brown's music. Like, the, yeah, like yeah. either way, his music's gonna be up for all time. They're not gonna like take back all the sales. They're not gonna take it off Spotify. Like. That we saw what happened when XXX Tentacion, like Spotify, tried to take his music off. Yeah, like there's, I don't know. Like I think it's really bad, and and there was a time when I stopped. Like everyone listens to Chris Brown still, so to me, cancel culture is much more with your wallet and with your purchases than it is more with your trying to get people canceled I yeah guess. yeah like if, if you were going around being like you should cancel chris brown you should never listen to him again i'd be like i mean but i enjoy his music still <laughs> like it, <laughs> to me beat, man. to me i'm not the law i'm not the judge like, right right i would 100 i'd be like yeah i disapprove of him and he is a shitty human for doing that but i mean oh like name a single like name one of like, the greatest artists of all time that really hasn't been caught up with doing Something something nefarious. Yeah, exactly. I like very the, hard to do. The amount of people in the industry that sign like non NDAs and not, whatnot to not tell people what they've done is like astronomically high. Yeah, right? like, yeah, I definitely imagine that. If you're on, if you get onto like Drake's tour bus, you're signing an NDA. There's no way it's not going to happen. For those who don't know, non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, NDA. Yeah, so like, like there's just so much toxic shit. In all Definitely. of Hollywood, in Definitely. all of fame, that I would not be shocked if everyone out there didn't have many skeletons in their closet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, Definitely. like, to oh, me, if, if someone was like, hey, you, you said this dumb shit on Twitter 10 years ago, 
I, to me, it's like uh, people. Went to me, it's more Facebook. about like things that so were said bad. ten years ago or like fifteen years ago than it's said today. Because there's a different responsibility today than there was ten years ago. Yeah. And if you're getting caught for saying something ten years ago, and there's been clear change, and you as a person, then that's fine to me as as long as you didn't like physically harm people. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And you know, to me, if if Chris Brown was in jail. And people are still listening to his music. It doesn't like real really jail, matter. Not celebrity jail. Yeah. Where you still get everything you want. Yeah. If he's in jail, he's in jail. And then he got tried by the arm of the law. Mm. And yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to his music if you're like, I don't know. There's just so much weirdness in that scope right now. Definitely, definitely. And it's weird to even like put these ideas out there. I've, I've talked about this stuff with like people in private, but now that I've recorded it, I'm like, oh my god. There you go, there you go. We got it out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we're already at 50 minutes, eh? Really? Yeah. And you wanted it to make it short. I oh, know, right? I don't think that's possible. I can't make this shit short. Man, this is wild. Um, but I don't want to make it too much longer. Um, no worries. Do you have a relationship with your father? Oh, boy. Okay, okay. Don't stress about what I'm about to tell you, okay? And for the listeners out there, I may sound psychopathic with the lack of emotion that I'm going to be speaking about this about. My father passed away like a couple weeks ago, or a month ago, actually. Oh, shit. So Today sorry. is the month anniversary of my father passing. Um, Ironically. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a piece of shit. No, 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 no. By all means, uh, this is something uh, that I kind of like knew was coming even before like funny enough we uh booked quotations booked this podcast even before my father passing Mm -hmm. and so i was ready to talk about uh the relationship that my father or the relationship i wish i had with my father right even before he passed so this is this is just uh an extra bump okay (laughs) yeah because i was like typically how i i finish the podcast is I don't know, you've listened to my other episodes, but it's like yeah. three questions about you with your father, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But knowing that... No, um, by all means, No, 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 no I'll also go, go for it, but like, I know because of my podcast with other people, it's like, I know that it's not always the father that had a great, the greatest impact on their life, and so I want to stay like, clear of that, but I guess... Mm-hmm. I've also been reading a lot of books about absent fathers recently, I'm like, right. oh my, this shit's fascinating. It's a very prevalent issue. It is the most... Well, okay, I don't want to overemphasize this, but it is a huge problem with men and like it cannot be I think it's understated based off my last few books I've read the problem or I guess the dilemma of not having a father in their life or a present father or a present father father, but he's not actually there yeah Yeah. and so like after reading these books I'm like amazed by not amazed I get amazed but bad amazed um, in terms of how much a father actually impacts your life just because I've never experienced an absent father mm-hmm. and now through doing these podcasts I'm like, I'm like we're noticing that privilege um, and even in a lot of my friends who are girls lives it's it's very hard for them to find themselves trusting other men mm-hmm. which makes sense to me like a lot since a lot of my friends are girls um that has been uh, I haven't really had as much opportunity to empathize with guys about having an absent father I guess or understand that aspect um, but 
I guess to to go into these questions and kind of still kind of feel like a dick even though no, I, even though I know you told me to, I don't didn't worry about it. Um, let me just find them. You had no clue again. You know the whole like burden thing. I don't want to be a burden, and it, it, in a way it backfires because I kind of surprised you with this in a sense, right? Yeah, I but mean, I in hindsight I probably should have mentioned it before the podcast, but again I have no clue how to like be like, hey, uh, this happened. You know mm. what I mean? Where do you think? your next stage of growth will come from in terms of your your manhood in terms of my manhood I guess uh, even though I have a relatively distant relationship with both my mother and my father uh, I still relied on them quite a bit going to the doctors for example is like really out there for me uh, of which I still have to do so kind of pretty much uh, easing more into adulting and understanding that I'm now responsible completely for my own life and I have to be uh, preparing to be responsible for another life for when say I have a child with my future wife or girlfriend right Um, then I have to be so adept at taking care of myself that I can take on another life. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's pretty much just getting better at taking care of myself, really, and self-love, as cheesy as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And being confident in, in myself and everything that I enjoy being and want to be. Yeah. yeah. And so, with your father, did you have a, a relationship growing up, or...? So, it was... He was a very uh, isolating individual, I guess, uh, introvert to the max. Um, So there weren't many interactions, but uh, I can gladly say that I do have memories of, like, him teaching me how to ride a bike and uh, all that sort of stuff uh, way back when I lived in Toronto. But as soon as we moved uh, to Markham when I was about nine... um, work kind of took a toll on him and he didn't have the right coping mechanisms available and so he kind of distanced himself from the rest of the family me primarily Mm. yeah of which i still don't have the answer to i wish i did but you know (sighs) the source uh, material isn't really here to tell me so there's that but yeah um what's it called so uh the thing that really stands out is like I had to teach myself how to shave. I I know I have a beard now, but at one point I did shave. Um, I have to understand how to conduct myself in a quote-unquote manly manner or, you know, how to be a man. Uh, Pretty much everything that I, uh, in terms of manhood, is kind of like, like, uh, a little bit is derived from my father because of how uh, little time we spent together. But a lot of it is based off of what I find uh, uh, to fit my philosophy more, right? Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's not as much influence as I would like there to be, but uh, that's helped me to become the individual I am today because I am relying specifically on my perspective uh, and being instead of like looking up to my father, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something to be grateful for. I'm reading a book right now that I think you'd enjoy. Okay. So... I know I brought I brought him a book already because uh, he's really into philosophy and spirituality. Yeah, and it's like a really funny book. It's called Plato's and Plato and a Platypus Walk into a Bar. So I we've been talking about this book for like four months, I think. Yeah. And I yeah. finally brought it to you because the last time we met that we yeah we finally were able to host or. 
book this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I started reading a book today. I forget what it's called. I think it's called Why Young Men. And it's by a lawyer who's actually from Toronto. Okay. Um, which is weird. Almost every book I've picked up recently has been about masculinity. And everyone has had a tie to Toronto. And, like, I'm literally just trying to try. That's I'm, interesting. I'm going to message these people. That's a spiritual sign. Oh. I think so. I think so, man. <laughs> I'm going to, like, literally message them and be like, hey, you know, I read your book. It's a, it's about a topic I'm really passionate about. Can you be, will you be on my podcast? Go for it. And man. Go for that's it. That's kind of the connection I'm going to make. If I'm you like, need some random too. people to, like, tweet at them for that extra support, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> You've access to bots? Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, and we can create our own hashtags. Yeah. Cool. Do it up. In, imperfect pod or imperfect recruitment. Um, but, no, like, the first chapter is all about kind of that... Um, that distance that sort of happened from his father mm-hmm. and how he doesn't really know where it came from. But yeah, like that kind of touched on that a bit. Yeah. Um, is it, do you think it maybe a bit of it's because I know you're Polish? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like was your dad? Yeah. My dad didn't have dad? a good relationship with his dad. So yeah. obviously that's where it comes from. And, uh, my dad not knowing how to be a father in the proper capacity uh, just, I know that it stems from that and I can't hold a grudge towards him for the things that have happened because he is his own person and he's going through the things that, uh, I have never, mm-hmm. you know, uh, been through and, or haven't really heard from him. Right. So everything I pretty much am saying is mostly through the mouth of my mom. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah. 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 And was your grandpa then old enough to be in the World War Two, or uh, or the son of someone who was in World War Two, son of someone that was in World War Two, I believe. Yeah, it was. Uh, however, on my mother's side, my grandfather was actually ten when World War Two was happening, mm-hmm. and uh, he was funny enough hiding his parents in his attic, and mm-hmm. like Nazis would come by and he'd like give them bread and water and whatnot, like be hospitable to the Nazis so they don't you know shoot the kid or take him with them, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, he'd like. Uh, show the Nazis a good time and then they'd walk away and their parents would be like oh we're alive okay we're good right because they're trying to you know yeah World War II oh bad yeah. time bad time bad time yeah. but yeah uh, so there's a lot of darkness in, in, yeah, the, in the men of your family especially exactly yeah so I, I could definitely see culturally uh, Polish people living a lot more of a depressed lifestyle because our country was really ravaged in two world wars not just the second one yeah uh like the whole auschwitz thing happening and there's a lot of lot of strong polish philosophers that came out of that time so uh at the very least of uh, whatever happened there there is that growth coming from it just the the way that it's expressing itself through families down the line I may or may not be a victim of that. I'm unsure. Mm. Obviously, I don't have the information I want to have about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of leads into my, my last three questions that I ask a lot of our, my guests, mm-hmm. or all my guests. Um, what was, I guess, of those special moments that you had with your dad, what was something that he, he told you growing up or something that he showed you? Sorry for the long, silent pause. My mind is bringing up very shallow positive events and then some really, really deep, dark events, Mm. right? And the dark events I've learned from as well, so that's why they're popping into my mind of things that I've learned about. I'm really trying to switch my brain over to the more positive ones and try to collect more of that information. 
of those moments that I remember the most and what did I learn about it? Man, even that. Oh my god, okay. Uh, what was case? So something... Sorry about a that. A male mentor. To a male mentor. Told, told you growing up. Or some, like something that was really positive in your childhood that you, that you learned from, uh, I guess, a man. I suppose uh, when I was in high school, I believe I was 17 at the time, uh, I, with one of the teachers, I'm just going to call him Mr. H, uh, for obviously don't want his name to get out there. Uh, he may or may not get in trouble because he did uh, meet with me to talk to me and help me through like what I was going through at the time. Um, and what's it called? Uh, he helped me understand uh, more so. Uh, not not that I didn't at the time, but he really got me to understand kind of like how to create boundaries with people, if that makes sense. Like certain people um, are detrimental to my well-being, no matter how much I want to help them out or be a friend and support them. Uh, they will either pull me down or uh, through osmosis teach me habits that I would definitely not want to uphold, right? Uh, so I, I can thank Mr. H for uh, being there for me when I didn't really have much of an authority figure in my life. Um, and yeah, so there's, I, I suppose there's that. Uh, I really want to drop a positive one about my father because he has taught me a lot of, here, here. He's taught me how to appreciate the beauty in life no matter how simple. That I can definitely thank my father for. Right, you can you can draw it from my homelessness experiences if you want, mm -hmm. but a lot of it does come from my father. For example, when we lived in an apartment in Toronto, uh, do you know June bugs? You know June bugs, like no. the uh, I believe uh, you know with the name, uh, they uh, finish their uh, growth stages and become a full fledged bug that they can fly in in June, mm -hmm. right? And so in the summertime, uh, my dad and I would sit out on our balcony when I was like five or six or something, and then he'd catch the June bugs. Uh, and at the time, I didn't have like a phobia of bugs yet. I don't know how and when it developed, but uh, uh, he would put them in my hand and I would get to like feel life crawling around in my hands and whatnot, right? So there's, there's that to appreciate. And uh, I guess uh, like uh, he gave me uh, also kind of like an appreciation for uh, instrumental music because a lot of music these days that is uh, very popular would be very lyrically based or ironically not lyrically based mm -hmm. with the mumble rap yeah. that you have coming out. Um, so I, I guess in terms of searching for ambiance and beauty, I can thank my father for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Um, something you wished your father told you. <sighs> this is going to be very different, uh, from what all of your other guests, uh, have, have probably said, but mine's more like, how come you didn't try more? How come you weren't there for me more? Like, why me type of thing, right? Like, he, 
still, uh, you know, he wishes, he wished, because he's not here anymore, uh, he wished my brother happy birthday every year, and it's been, like, three years since I've gotten a call about my birthday from him, you know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's, it's the, it's the neglect or isolation that I'm really confused about. Mm-hmm. Like, why, and it really genuinely specifically feels like me, because he doesn't really distance himself from my brother or my half-sisters, and so it's just a very singling out feeling that has no answer and I am afraid now that it won't have an answer ever again because obviously I can't communicate with him at the moment so mm-hmm. there's that yeah yeah so that's what I would ask and then last question what uh will you tell your kid when you have them or your son like what's a life lesson you want to leave with your kids oh that okay see that I am actually, the way I see it is it is my job and duty to break the cycle of crappy parenthood and be a proper father figure and role model for my child. And so everything, and uh, I am in some ways neglecting my myself and my own happiness and my dreams and whatnot by thinking this way, but everything I'm doing right now, the reason I'm not choosing a specific sport to... Uh, Uh, excel at is because I'm trying to test the waters and dip my toe into every sport possible. So when I have a child, uh, I can show them the basics of each sport and the one that he is most happiest or has a natural talent for, I can take him down that road, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, the one thing, the one thing I want my child to know the most, I suppose, or the one thing I, the one lesson is just how to trust and or how to know when you can trust someone you know just uh being able to be vulnerable with somebody and the 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 boundaries and all that sort of stuff pretty much how to how to build a solid relationship Mm -hmm. yeah and be a good person in general right obviously there's so much to say about this question i know yeah yeah it's a really really deep one they're they're actually my probably my favorite questions to ask just because at the end it's like it just, one, makes you reflect on your relationship with your father mm-hmm. in a very good way, mm-hmm. or hopefully good way, Absolutely, by asking, yeah. like, what he taught you. In a one, not so good way, it's like, kind of, where did your father fall short? And then three, like, how are you, what are you going to tell your kids? Is that something, is that the thing that your father told you? Is that the thing your father fell short on? Right. Or right. is it going to be something completely different? So it kind of gives you three outlooks exactly, on yeah, yeah. your relationship with your father, relationship mm-hmm. with a man, and, like... If, honestly, I don't even know if, how I would answer them, to be honest. Right. Like, I can think of some things, but there's just so much. Okay, um, how about you answer the last one, then? Uh, what, uh, what lesson would you pass on to your son? Or, or daughter? for you Kids? Know. Um, I would 100% just want them to know how much I love them. And I think that's it. I think my dad did an amazing job doing that with me Mm -hmm. and I've never ever felt unloved and I know based off of what I've done with a lot of my my guests is that there's there's been moments where they've questioned it and I just never have and like I think that's what I'm most grateful for I almost want to steal your answer and replace <laughs> replace mine. <laughs> That's a very good one. I really like that. I'm glad yeah. I asked you. Yeah. 
I actually thought that was, I almost wanted you to go there. I wanted to like once you said you you want people to you want your son to trust or you want your future kids to trust. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to be like I really, I wanted to ask, do you mean like do you want them just love? Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know with with my future child. I just want them to be as open and neutral to the, their surroundings as much as possible. Because a lot of people these days have too much of a judgmental outlook on life, mm-hmm. and it, it takes away a lot away from love. Because if you're judging something, you're not really appreciating it, are you? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's pretty much definitely definitely good stuff. Something I would want my kids to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to do a new thing on the on the end of each episode mm-hmm. where it's like I just project back to you things that I guess I want in your life, because um, I think it's very vulnerable to, for me to do that and be like, so one, you wanted to break the cycle. I believe you will break the cycle. I appreciate that. Two, you're loved, and I want you to know that you seem like all the hospitality that you had from a lot of your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even though you haven't had love and support and maybe the places that a young man should have love and support, it, they come from other places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I can be grateful for. Yeah. And three, I just, uh, you're an amazing dude. Appreciate and that. You as well, man. You as well. I didn't know a lot of this shit about your life until today. Not a lot of people and... do. And in some ways, I kind of, I kind of like from the whole victim or trying to stay away from the victim mentality. Yeah. I kind of regret talking about it because uh, I don't want that pity. But for those people who are going through the same things, if this gives you the ability to open up about your experiences, because believe me, this is very, very challenging. When I was talking about it, I was shaking and fidgeting uh, with my hands quite a bit. But yeah, just uh, open up, look for those shoulders to cry on and make sure that they're stable and they won't ditch you as soon as you your tears start falling. Yeah. Yeah. It's dope, man. Give me a hug. This has been a good one, man. That was good. Well, I love you, brother. Love you too, man. And uh, that—that's it. Solid podcast. Solid. I think that was a really good episode. As promised, here is the poem from Olaf. It's called "He's Hiding." Enjoy. <laughs> I wrote this poem because I'm unhappy with the amount of negative things I had to say about my mom and dad, and I want to incriminate myself and even the playing field with this. A lot of it was my fault, as I acted like a rival. From the silly thoughts of a child, all I thought about was my world. I know you did your best, strange techniques unlike the rest, but nonetheless, you loved me, yes? I'm determined to believe it yet, I'm plagued by this unrelenting guest he's hiding, behind all these masks himself residing, behind all these tasks laid out in writing, stuck thinking now but forever fighting, exciting things that are nervously plighting, he's hiding, and he's been hiding for a very long time, actually in front of his faults to hide those too, with his ego big enough that it won't shine through, he's hiding. All the things you've given him and he took more, just to buy Pokemon cards at the convenience store. Thank God I didn't throw tantrums on the floor. (laughs) Oops, I just broke all the walls. I counted four. Comedic relief for the heart that is sore. He's hiding. All behind that incessant whining, the crying of decibels that are deaf-defining. 
But now that I grew up a little bit, I want to say sorry for being such a prick. Like, wow, the things we did weren't normal then and aren't normal now. I will re-allow our relationship to grow and make you proud. And one more thing, I will scream out loud. Kochamcie, mamusia i tatusz. That was Polish coming out of my mouth. It means, I love you, mom and dad.